I want to begin this morning by saying this, and you know this to be true. You probably just didn't wake up thinking about this. And that is people can be slow at catching things sometimes. And since we're all people, guess what? We can be pretty slow at catching things sometimes. I'd like to say that I've never been slow catching anything, but I know there have been times it was like, oh, now I get it. There have certainly been moments in my life where I've been slow at catching things. There have certainly been moments where you have been slow to catch things in your life. And this morning I'd like us to illustrate, or I'd like us to think about something as I illustrate this in a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's a good thing to be slow, and sometimes it's a bad thing to be slow. Here's a good way in which it's good to be slow at catching something. I've heard people like you have at different times say something like this. You know, growing up, I didn't even know I was poor until somebody told me we were poor. I didn't even realize we were poor until I finally moved out and went to college. I didn't even know I was poor until somebody said, man, you all are poor. Because you would look at this person and they would say something like this. Man, I remember growing up and and having a good childhood. I remember growing up and having a place where, where dad and mom were a part of our lives. And I remember that one vacation we took whenever I was a kid. And I remember getting to play outside with my friends. And I remember getting to run free and to run, to run wild, you know, throughout the days just so long as I was home by the time it was supper. I mean, I, 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 I know looking back over the course of my life, yeah, we didn't have as much money. We didn't have have as many things as people had, but, you know, I didn't even realize we were poor. Well, they were slow to catch it, weren't they? They were slow to realize they were poor. Sometimes, though, to be slow to catch something is not a good thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing. Because sometimes it takes some time for you to realize just how good you had it, and and you don't realize how good you had it until after it's gone. I've said this on many occasions. I've mentioned it from the pulpit before, but being almost 20 years removed from being a newlywed in those years at Bible college when Susie and I were both working full-time jobs and I was going to school and we were living in that little apartment, I was so ready to just get done with school. I was so ready to just move on to the next stage of life. I could not get college behind me fast enough And over the years, I've looked back at those years in college and those years in that little apartment, and I've thought life was so easy back then compared to what it is today. I didn't even know how to appreciate it back then because I was so busy looking forward to the next stage and the next moment and the next event in life. And so here I am, I I look back at my life and and because I'm a person and because I have the same struggles that everyone else would have, I, I know that there have been times I've been slow to catch things, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but it happens to every one of us. And this morning I want us to think about Samuel for just a couple of moments. I I don't know what you would think of this morning if I were to say to you, tell me what you think when you think of Samuel. But I would suspect that many of us would say something like this. Well, wasn't he the young kid that lived with the priest or whoever that was? And if that's what you would think, then that is exactly right. That is who Samuel was. 
He was the young man who lived with, with the priest, and he was the young man who grew up in the house of the Lord, and, and he was the young man that eventually grew into a position of spiritual leadership, and he led the people of Israel for many, many years. Somebody may say something like this. Well, is it Samuel who anointed King Saul to be the first king over Israel? And, and yes, that would be true of King Saul. He was anointed by Samuel to be the first king of Israel. And, and somebody may say something like this. Well, was it Samuel that uh, anointed David to be the next king of Israel whenever God removed his hand from Saul and, and took the throne away from him? And again, that would be correct. That is who we're talking about when we talk about Samuel. I mean, there are several things that we would know about Samuel. But there are some other things about Samuel that we do know, but that we don't often think about or we don't often give attention to. And so this morning I want to remind us of who the parents of Samuel were. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 1, we discover this. The father of Samuel was a man by the name of Elkanah. If you look in verse number 2, it says this, And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. So here's what we know, and here's what we'll be reminded of in just a couple of moments, that Samuel's birth parents and Samuel's earthly parents was a man by the name of Elkanah and a woman by the name of Hannah. And we know that Samuel was the firstborn of Hannah. But here's what I'd like us to think about for just a couple of moments, and that is this. The home life that Samuel was able to grow up in the first few years of his life. I want us to begin by noticing in verse number 5 what it says here. It says, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, this being Elkanah, this is before Samuel is born, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. You know what the scripture just told us there in verse number 5? It tells us this, that Elkanah, the husband of Hannah, he loved his wife. Now, now, now think about that for just a moment. That, that's a powerful statement, especially in today's culture, is it not? That the husband loved his wife. The scripture says of Samuel's parents, Elkanah and Hannah, that they were in love with each other. That's a good, good thing. If you look in verse number eight, it says this, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than 10 sons? What was Elkanah saying to his wife, Hannah? He was saying this, listen, with the way that I treat you and the relationship that I have with you, is it not better than the relationship and the love that you would receive from 10 sons? And, and what that indicates is this, is that Elkanah not only loved Hannah and Hannah loved him, but apparently and seemingly Elkanah loved Hannah immensely with great, great love. It's implied when Elkanah says, am I not better to thee than ten sons? It's implied that Hannah couldn't argue it. That yes, Elkanah, you are good to me. And yes, Elkanah, you are wonderful to me. And, and, and yes, you're a fantastic husband to me. Hannah would have to say, I, I cannot argue this. I cannot deny this. So here's what we see of the home life of Samuel from the very beginning. He was allowed to be born into a family where dad and mom truly loved one another 
and loved each other immensely. It's pretty important. But it gets better for Samuel. Samuel was able to be born into a home where the dad and mom not only loved each other, they obviously loved the Lord. Well, how do we know? Because it says in verse number 3, it says, And this man, that being Elkanah, went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of the hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. In verse number 3, we're introduced to this thought, and we're introduced to this idea that Elkanah and his family went up each year to the place of Shiloh for the purpose of offering their sacrifices and worshiping the Lord as was required of them. Do you understand that Elkanah could have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Elkanah could have said, you know, that's not an important issue for our family. Do you understand that Elkanah could have said, I know it's required of us or I know it's expected of us, but that's not really what I'm interested in. Elkanah could have been like hundreds, if not thousands of other men living in that day. He could have known what the Lord required of them. He could have known what the Lord required of the family, but he could have not concerned himself with God's expectations. But it says that he went up each year and he offered the sacrifices and he worshiped the Lord. And as you look in the last part of verse number one, you find that Elkanah continued to do this. And he continued to do this year after year after year after year. Elkanah and his family were in the house of the Lord as they were supposed to. They were sacrificing to the Lord as they were supposed to. They were worshiping the Lord as they were expected to and as they were supposed to. Here is Samuel, and he's born into a home where dad and mom truly love one another, and dad and mom truly love the Lord God. But it only gets better for Samuel, this young man. He had a mom, and apparently he had a dad who believed in the power of prayer. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that Hannah is barren right now. It says up in verse number 2 that she had no children. We know that the Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb. But in verse number 10, it says this, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Why is she weeping? Why is she crying out to God? Why is there a bitterness in her spirit? There is a bitterness in her spirit because in their day it was a reproach on a woman to not be able to bear children. That is where joy and pride and gladness came from. And so here is Hannah, and she is unable to bear children like other ladies are able to bear children. And so here she is in bitterness of soul, and she is praying and she is crying out to the Lord for God to give her a child. She prayed because she believed that there was something to prayer and that God would answer the prayer. Notice in verse number 11, it says this, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, 
Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And so the priest realizes that she's praying, but he assumes that she is drunken with wine. That is not at all the case. He later finds out that she was crying out to the Lord and asking for a child. But what did she say in verse number 11? She said, God, if you will give me a son... I will give him back to you. She wasn't saying, God, I want a son just so that the reproach is gone. God, I want a son just so I can be like everyone else. God, I want a son so that I can brag to all of my friends that I've got a child. She says, no, I I just want a son. I, I just want a child. And Lord, if you will give me a male child, if you will give me a son, then I will give him back to you. Samuel was born into a home where dad and mom loved each other, where dad and mom loved the Lord, and dad and mom believed in the power of prayer. And then, as wonderful as all this is, it gets even better for Samuel. He had parents who did not just give lip service to God. They did what they said they were going to do by way of service to the Lord. How do we know? Well, by the time you come to verse number 23, Hannah has had the child that Eli the priest promised. We understand that that Samuel is now born. And notice what it says in verse number 24. It says, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew the bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. You understand what happened in verse number 24 through verse number 28? Here is Hannah. She is now the proud mother of this beautiful little boy in her eyes. And though he is a small child, what is she doing? She is fulfilling the commitment she made to God. God, that if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you and he can serve you all the days of his life. It's easy to say when you're not pregnant. It's easy to say when you're without a child. It's easy to say about a child that you've never held in your arms and that you've never held to your breast. It's easy for a mother to say, God, I'll do all this if you'll just. It's one thing for Hannah to have said all that, but when the child was weaned and now the child is young, it is another thing for Hannah to follow through with the commitment she made to the Lord that, God, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. Because that's exactly what she did. And somebody says, well, that says nothing of Elkanah. And I want us to think about this for just a moment. Elkanah was as much a father to Samuel as we as men would be to our sons. And I say that to remind us of this. Elkanah at any point could have stepped in in the process and said, Hannah, we're not doing it. 
At any point in the process, he could have stepped in and said, Hannah, you made that promise, you made that commitment when you were emotional, when you were in bitterness of soul. You you said that when you weren't really thinking rationally, when you weren't really thinking clearly. But here is what Elkanah apparently understood, is that she had made the promise to the Lord, and they together were going to honor the promise that they had made to God, that God, if you'll give us a child, We'll give him back to you, and he can serve you all the days of his life. So here's Samuel, and he's born into this home, and and he's born into a home where dad and mom love each other. He's born into a home where, where dad and mom, they love the Lord, and they serve the Lord, and they believe in the power of prayer. And when they make commitments to God, they follow through with them. It's not just lip service. It's not just good talk. It's not just saying the right things, but not actually doing it. It's, it's doing what you said you're going to do by way of service to the Lord. Now, I want us to think about this for just a moment. Samuel was a person, was he not? He was. And so here is Samuel, and what is he? He is born into this home, obviously, as an infant, which means this. There was no understanding of the kind of home that he had been blessed to be born into. Samuel didn't break forth from the womb and say, man, am I fortunate. Look at who my parents are. He didn't look at this and say, man, I can tell just by looking just a couple of moments I've been in this world. I can tell that dad really loves mom and mom really loves dad. And I I can tell that it's a deep love and a true love and a wondrous love. No, Samuel didn't realize that at the moment he was born. And he didn't come forth from the womb and say, man, was I given some godly parents. He didn't enter into the world and say anything like this. You know, I can truly tell just from the few moments I've been here, from the, from the few moments of observation that I have, I have parents who believe in prayer, and I have parents who follow through with their commitments to God. No, Samuel was completely clueless to every bit of this. I can promise you as Samuel was two, three, four, five, six years old, he didn't realize what he was given. When he's 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I can promise you Samuel was a normal child. He was a normal individual. And he's not sitting there thinking about how blessed he was and how good God had been to him to give him a home life like that, to give him parents like that. I can promise you Samuel was slow to recognize everything that God had given him and the parents he had given them. But here's what I believe. He is a spiritual leader, is he not? He is a spiritual leader, and as he is looking at the people of Israel, here is what Samuel would have no doubt have seen on many different occasions. Children growing up in homes where dad and mom did not truly love each other. Because even back then, dads and moms didn't always love each other the way they should. Samuel being in a position of spiritual leadership, Samuel being in a position where he dealt with people on a daily basis from a spiritual perspective, there is no doubt in my mind that Samuel beheld the attitudes and the actions of so many people who identified themselves as the children of God, but he could see that these people who did not love their wives or their husbands in the manner in which they should, he recognized these people don't love God in the manner in which they should. Samuel, as he grew and as he matured, there's no doubt that at some point he would have began connecting the dots and he would have began realizing, you know what? These people, many of them, they say the right things, 
but they don't follow through with it in their everyday life. So they're good about making promises. They're good about making vows. They're good about making commitments. They're good about the talk of their spiritual life. They're good about the, 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 the communication of, of how godly and spiritual they are. But no doubt Samuel would have looked at a great number of people who when you truly began to look at their spiritual life, that is all it was, is it was simply talk. There was nothing by way of action to support what they claimed. So I don't know when this would have happened. I don't know how it would have happened, and I don't know how Samuel would have ever expressed it. But I believe, just personally, I believe this, that over the years of Samuel's life, as he began to grow and as he began to mature, and he began to look at his life and his upbringing compared to the lives and the upbringing of so many people, I think he began to realize, I'm pretty blessed. I'm pretty fortunate. Because what we do know for certain is this, Samuel had a dad and mom who loved each other. And Samuel had a dad and mom who served the Lord in obedience as they were supposed to. And Samuel had a dad and mom who believed in the power of prayer. And Samuel had a dad and mom who followed through with commitments they made to God. Samuel was a pretty fortunate and pretty blessed young man because he enjoyed something that probably very few people, even in their day, were able to enjoy. And why do I say that? I say all that for this reason. To an extent, not exactly, but to an extent, I can identify with Samuel. Now, I know that you don't want to hear my life story. I know that you don't want to hear me go through the details again. I understand that, so I'm just going to keep this short, and I'm going to abbreviate it. But I look at what I was blessed with, and I realize today how slow I was to recognize the blessing of it. I didn't come forth from my mother's womb and say, well, aren't I a fortunate young man? I've got a dad and mom who love each other. I didn't recognize what I had. I didn't know what I had. I didn't understand how rare it would be even in my generation 40 years ago. I didn't understand how rare it would become for a dad and mom to stay married for all these years. I just came forth and I, well, okay, you know, didn't even know what I had. But, but I grow up in a home where dad and mom continue to stay together and dad and mom continue to truly love one another and, and dad and mom continue to enjoy spending time with one another. And now at age 40, I, I look at a dad and mom who haven't had children in the home for the last 20 years now. And, and here's what I discovered. Dad and mom still like each other today as much as they seemed to like each other 20 years ago. They've been married 45 years now. And you know what? Dad and mom, they still like each other. I'm fortunate that I grew up in a home where dad and mom said, of course we're going to church tomorrow. What would make you think we're not going to church? Son, we're going to be in church and we're going to be in Sunday school just like we are every week. They never called me stupid, but I'm sure it ran through their head a couple of times. I had a dad and mom who loved the Lord. I didn't recognize the 
blessing of that 20 years ago. I didn't recognize the blessing of that 25 years ago. I realized today, man, I'm blessed. And, and I see a dad and mom, and I know they're not perfect, and they've got faults like every other set of parents have. I get it, but I can truly say this. And I've been blessed to have parents who walk with God, who believe in prayer. I remember as a child, every morning, getting up, getting ready for school, you could find my dad in the living room, in the recliner, having his devotion, spending time in prayer, reading the Word of God, because that's what he was about. And I have parents who, to this day, they're still trying to live it. They're still trying to follow through with the commitments they made to the Lord even years ago. See, I didn't recognize how blessed I was at age 17. I didn't recognize how blessed I was at 20 and 25 and even 30. It's really only been the last few years that I've really begun to recognize how strange of a situation I was born into and how fortunate of a situation I was born into. And some of you, if you had to stand and give your testimony, if some of you had to stand and talk about the home life that you were born into, you would stand and your situation would sound completely opposite of mine. Some of you had a, a background and a childhood and, a, and a, a teenage years so opposite of mine, you almost can't grasp what it would be like to be in my situation any more than I can grasp what it would be like to have been in your situation. But I say every bit of that to say this. Regardless of my past or regardless of your past, that's in the past and it's done and we can't change any of it. All we can do this morning is recognize the present, where we're at right now. This morning for just a couple of moments, I want to try to remind us of this thought, that our children deserve to get to grow up in the same kind of home that Samuel grew up in. Let me just throw this out there for us to consider. Your children and your grandchildren deserve to see two people in their lives who truly love one another. My kids may not grow up in the richest of homes, my kids may not experience everything that some kids get to experience. But you know what all three of my kids deserve? They deserve the opportunity to be able to walk into the front door of our house and know that the moment they walk into the front door of our home, they are entering into a home where dad and mom truly love each other, and they love each other immensely. My kids and your kids and your grandkids do not deserve walking into a home questioning the love and the commitment between their dad and their mom or their grandma and their grandpa. But as much as they deserve that, you know what else they deserve? They deserve to get to walk into a house where dad and mom not only love each other, but dad and mom love the Lord God. Where they can look and see, you know what, dad loves God. 
And mom loves the Lord. Every one of our children and every one of our grandchildren, they deserve to get to know that. Our children deserve this in their life, to be able to walk into their home and know this, that my parents believe in the power of prayer. And my parents believe in the significance of crying out to God. And, and my parents believe that it does value, or it has value, and it does good to cry out to God. Our children deserve that kind of an environment to grow up in. And our children deserve a home where dad and mom follow through with the commitments they make to God. Our children don't deserve to have to grow up with hypocrites. Our, our children don't deserve to have to grow up in homes where dad and mom will say amen, and dad and mom will play the part on Sundays, but as soon as church is over, they go right back to a worldly way of life and a worldly way of living. Our children don't deserve to have to grow up in that kind of an environment with that kind of a, of a spirit in the home. They, they ought to grow up in a home where one day they realize, you know, as slow as maybe they were to see it, you know what, I had a dad and mom who lived it what my children deserve it's what your children deserve it's what your grandchildren deserve to see from you when they walk into your home that this is a home where dad and mom grandma and grandpa love each other they love the lord they're people of prayer they're people of faithfulness they're people of devotion and they are people who follow through with their commitment and here is what bothers me to no end sometime is to hear people say things like this Hey, my kids are young. They don't even know what's going on. You're right. They're slow to catch it right now. But you know what? They'll catch it at some point. And they'll see it at some point. See, for me to sit here and pretend, or for you to sit here and pretend that how we as parents live and how we as parents conduct ourselves and how we as adults behave ourselves for us to sit here today and pretend that it has no influence or bearing on your children i'll believe that as soon as you can tell me that how your parents lived made no impact on your life and not one honest person in here can say that because good or bad it had influence on our lives whether we were quick to catch it or slow to catch it we eventually caught it and whether our children are quick to catch it or slow to catch it, I can promise you this, our children will catch it at some point. They deserve a dad and mom who love each other and love each other a whole, whole bunch. They deserve a dad and mom who love the Lord, who believe in prayer, who believe in the power of faithfulness to God, and they deserve a dad and a mom who don't just talk it, who don't just try to act it at certain times, but they've got a dad and mom who follow through with their commitments no matter how difficult it may be sometimes. If Samuel got to enjoy a home life like that, how much more should our children get to enjoy a home life like that? Is my child, are my children able to enjoy the same things that Samuel the prophet got to enjoy? If not, there's only one person who can fix it. And that's you.